Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. A sharp warning to the Chinese Communist Party, dozens of U.S. lawmakers telling the regime not to respond violently to the protesters who are standing up for freedom. This comes as protests continue around the nation and the world, calling for an end to the Chinese Communist Party. Here's NTD's Melina Wisecup with more. In the wake of multiple anti-CCP protests breaking out here in the U.S. and around the world, there's a strong bipartisan consensus from lawmakers on Capitol Hill standing with those protesters and warning the Chinese Communist Party not to react violently. So this was this bipartisanship in this warning was displayed in a letter this week where a group of Republicans and Democrats sent a letter to the CCP ambassador writing, quote, we are following the current peaceful protests in China over your government's policies very carefully. We are also closely watching the Chinese Communist Party's reaction to them. They then point to the 1989 Tiananmen Square massacre where the regime killed hundreds if not thousands of peaceful protesters. And these lawmakers warned the CCP if a similar violent reaction to peaceful protests happens again, they say we believe there will be grave consequences for the U.S.-China relationship, causing extraordinary damage to it. Now, that letter was signed by a number of Republican and Democrat senators. In addition to this, today we spoke with the chairwoman of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Here's her message along with other future members of that caucus. We continue to monitor the situation. We share many of the same concerns that are in Senator Merkley's letter. Um, and our, I think it's important for the United States to be clear that we're watching this very carefully and uh, we would urge our our uh, uh, the people in the Chinese government to understand that this this we have had this experience before with Tiananmen Square and so let's hope that democracy continues to prevail I think what the protest protesters are doing it sounds like it's really taking a stand for their own lives for their own rights for humanitarian efforts. Uh, you know, when I've talked about foreign policy, to me, the dignity of human rights is absolute priority. And all policy that we look at, we have to look at, look at it from that angle. No government, be it here at home or abroad, should ever crack down on people just trying to make their voice heard. And I know that this is gonna be a group of people uh, our freshman class that is deeply dedicated to human rights. Now, there was a protest here in D.C. at the Chinese embassy uh, just a couple of nights ago, and there will be another protest here in Washington, D.C. this Sunday. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weisscup, NTD News. And to discuss the Chinese Communist regime's repression and threat to the United States, we spoke with Congresswoman Lisa McLean. We asked her about the new Congress and what they plan to do to hold the CCP accountable in the coming months. Congresswoman Lisa McLean, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, always good to be here. Congresswoman, you've been uh, quite outspoken when it comes to the crimes committed by the Chinese Communist Party. Recently, you've been vocal in standing in solidarity with the Chinese people protesting harsh government lockdowns. Why is this important to you? Well, it's all about freedom. And what the Chinese government is doing to these peaceful, I might add, protesters really saddens me. And it, it, it is just another example of how these draconian lockdowns, you know, the Chinese government gets a whiff of COVID and they lock their entire country down. That is gravely concerning. 
And the people are protesting and trying to tell their government that we have had enough. At some point in time, you have to believe and trust in the people of your country. And, and the Chinese government is anything but that. What the CCP is doing is extremely tyrannical with the abuse and the assaults and the barricades and the lockdowns. It's just, it's overreaching um, and it needs to be stopped. Congresswoman, uh, when it comes to social justice causes, uh, this has been a top priority for many U.S. corporations. Yet when we see a movement here of, you know, a nation of 1.5 billion oppressed Chinese people starting to speak out and call for basic freedoms, it's been relatively quiet. Why do you think that is? Because I think don't, people don't want to cover it. The other thing that I think is extremely disappointing is look at what Apple did. I mean, look at that with the airdrop. I mean, this is big tech. Big tech has no place in politics. Let the people have a voice. It's, it's sad, it saddens me greatly to see um, what Apple's done, and it is extremely disappointing. And you want to know why a lot of people don't hear about it is because of, the, uh, of exactly that. They don't want to have egg on their face, and they're trying to suppress what's going on. And I think it's backfiring on them. The people have had enough. China's most ruthless dictator since the communist regime captured China in 1949, Jiang Zemin, has just died uh, yesterday, uh, responsible for unleashing a genocide against Falun Gong practitioners in China. You actually introduced a bill to hold Chinese Communist Party officials accountable for their crimes when they come to the U.S., if they come to the U.S. Will you be making this a priority in the next Congress? And tell us a little bit more about that bill. The, the, the short answer is yes. If we want to be the nation that leads on freedom, we have to have our actions follow our words. That, that's critical. You can do that with sanctions. You can do that um, economically. You, but you must do that. And at the end of the day, your actions must follow your words. And we need to stop the, this government and this regime. And that's why one of the, the bills that, that I'm, I'm talking about and I'm putting on the floor is the Stop the CCP Act. Because we need to stand in support of freedom, not just when it's convenient, but at all costs. Congresswoman, overall, um, you know, now that uh, you and your colleagues will have the majority in the House of Representatives, um, how will you be approaching the CCP in the upcoming Congress? Straightforward, honest, and aggressive. And do you uh, support uh, your colleague, I believe, Jim Jordan and um, Jay, uh, Jamie Comer uh, looking to investigate the origins of the CCP virus? 100%. Think about this. We had a virus that literally stopped our country, the United States of America, dead in their tracks. And we haven't had any investigation as to the origin of where that virus came from. Doesn't that seem a little odd to you? 
I would think we would want to know the origin of that virus. So one, we could protect ourselves from future viruses that may, that may happen. And two, hold the people accountable who are responsible for, for that virus so that it doesn't happen again. See, we've lost cause and effect. We need to get back to the rule of law. We need to get back to holding a people, people accountable for their actions. But in order to hold people accountable for their actions, we must first investigate where actually is it, did this start and what's the root of the problem. Congresswoman Lisa McLean, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. And joining us to discuss the latest lockdowns and the protests in China and what may be fueling them, we have Cindy Yu, assistant editor at UK-based magazine, The Spectator. Cindy Yu, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. Thank you for having me. Cindy, we see these protests in China right now unfolding across the country. I guess my first question to you is, are they still taking place and how significant are they? Well, actually, they only managed to take place for two nights before the authorities uh, rolled out the big guns, not literally this time, but um, the heavy police presence was rolled out in all of the protest hotspots across the country uh, from about Monday evening, making it incredibly difficult for protesters to gather um, because of the various infrastructure you got from zero COVID, the, the kind of road barriers and that sort of stuff. That also meant that pedestrians couldn't gather in these hotspots. And so we haven't really seen them happening since uh, Sunday night. Um, so we had two nights of protests, this burst of kind of free speech. Um, so, yeah. I have to ask you, do you think that these lockdowns are more than uh, just about COVID? So I think, I think to start with, they were definitely about COVID. You know, this was a new virus. No one really around the world knew what to do with it. The Chinese did what they do best, which is to control um, based on this kind of idea of stability, uh, low death toll, which for a time, the Chinese public was very much in support of. But since then, with the establishment of the various digital infrastructure that's come about as well, so for example, the health codes on your smartphones, uh, this green, amber, red system, which dictates where you can go. Um, and often, if there's a glitch to it, there's very little recourse of you know how to fix that. All of these things that have come as a result of pandemic control, I don't see them going very, very easily after the pandemic ends, if we can even talk about that step in the future for China, because that's not even anywhere near at the moment. But I think basically all of this has since then become an exercise in the state trying to see how much surveillance it can promote, it can sustain um, in the name of pandemic control. And I do think that is still the fundamental goal here. But I think a lot of this stuff can be then reused later on as well. I think maybe um, a lot of us in, in you know, free and open societies, when we think of lockdowns, we think of what we've experienced. If you could maybe paint the picture of what it's like in China right now and get your thoughts also on um, you know, how it's impacting China's economy. Mm, sure. So China's pandemic control has obviously been stricter than much of the world has seen throughout the pandemic. But it's important to say that actually to start with, it wasn't as strict as it is now. So it has actually got stricter over the course of the last year, probably because of Omicron and how much more infectious that variant is. At the beginning, if you were locked down, you could be in your flat, but you could still go out for shopping 
uh, regularly. Uh, people still walk their dogs and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and it wasn't a case of what we have now, where you can't even leave your flat if you're locked down to go shopping. And in some cases, there are reports of local officials sealing doors, which is obviously incredibly dangerous. Um, and so it has become much more paranoid in that sense. We've seen all of these kind of built up quarantine centers, um, a bit like these kind of makeshift hospitals, but they're just for quarantine centers. And oftentimes, the people in them aren't positive. They've just been a contact or they've been in the same venue as someone who tested positive later, maybe didn't even see them face to face. Um, at one point, uh, the Chinese government was also contact tracing contacts of contacts, so secondary contacts. I mean, the, the, the chances of infection there are just so minuscule uh, that it, it's really just mind boggling. Um, it is also important to say as well that China is a massive country, you know, it's, it's the size of continent. So when we're talking about zero COVID in China, cities go in and out of lockdown over time. Majority of the country, most of the time, are not in lockdown. And for them, life is okay. You know, obviously, you have face masks and health codes and that kind of stuff. But this kind of restriction is now and then happening when there are cases in your locality. And so at the moment, there are around 412 million people in China uh, under some kind of lockdown restrictions. A lot of people, but still only about a third of the population. Um, and then when it comes to the economy, you know, it's been an incredibly tough time for China because the Chinese economy was already slowing down. No country can grow at 10% uh, GDP growth every single year as China was doing. Um, it was already slowing down, but what COVID has done is completely kind of catalyzed that and really made the pain be felt on the ground. So you've got um, small and medium-sized business owners closing up, going bankrupt because they simply have no certainty what's going to come next. You've got foreign investors go getting out and the ones who are not getting out are constantly hit again and again by lockdown. You just look at Apple and its supply chain. Um, and you've, you've also just got white collar people really struggling as well. You know, Some of them can work from home, but oftentimes that is also very difficult. And so on the ground, it feels very tough, I think, for a lot of people. And Chinese government support hasn't been as generous as it has been in other parts of the world. And so that all leads to a huge amount of frustration. China had been targeted to have 5.5% GDP growth this year. They now predict that's going to be more like 3%. And that's only if you believe the official numbers. Now, we've seen various world leaders uh, speaking out um, in, in favor, in support of the uh, protesters, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau of Canada. Um, what is the uh, feeling like right now in the UK, both um, government officials and, and also the general population? So the UK had a funny case, actually, because um, a BBC journalist was actually arrested. The only foreign journalist to be arrested during these protests was um, a BBC journalist, a British man. Uh, and so it was actually quite a big deal here because in parliament and in government, even the foreign secretary, you know, made statements about how this is utterly unacceptable. Uh, and the Chinese response just wasn't really, um, wasn't really justifiable. Um, so, so I think the UK had that particular dimension. But in general, I think what's interesting is that actually, when it comes to Western governments, you have to, they have to play this very carefully at the moment, because too much support for the protesters would give legitimacy to the Chinese government's argument that these protesters are fueled or seeded from abroad. And so actually giving what would give protesters legitimacy is if this it becomes a groundswell of native Chinese um, protest and fury rather than, you know, having Canadian, the Canadian prime minister jumping on a bandwagon or anything like that, which will then allow Chinese wolf warriors to say, well, look, see, this is what we told you. And um, so it's a bit of a battle of narratives going on at the moment.
Cindy Yu, fascinating perspective. Thank you so much. Thank you. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.